My name is Angie Brown and you are listening to the Being Luminary podcast, the podcast where I get into all things diversity, equity and inclusion with luminary guests, a sprinkling of coaching, advice, guidance and the inspiration for you to do things differently in your organisation. If you want to create a luminary place to work, a luminary experience for your clients, your teams, your communities, If you are committed to overleaping compliance and heading straight for luminary approaches to DEI, you are in the right place. You are listening to the Being Luminary podcast, episode number 48. So welcome back to another episode of the Being Luminary podcast. Today, my guest is Stefan Griffiths, who I'm going to ask to introduce himself before we get started. Hello, I'm Stefan. I'm the head of Norwich School. Uh, Before that, I was the deputy head, um, which is called Usher, at Magdalen College School. uh, And I've also taught at Eton College and Tunbridge School. My teaching subject is classics, and um, I've been teaching now for over 25 years. Thank you, Stefan. You see, I love these podcasts because already I know more about you than I did earlier this week. And I've been working with you for a year, so that's great. (laughs) So, um... I I sent you a few questions before the podcast recording and one of those questions is about origin story and uh, my guests have recently been remarking on how origin story makes it sound like you are some form of superhero so (laughs) (laughs) it's certainly not what my pupils think (laughs) (laughs) they may or may not Um, so I wonder if you could could talk to me a bit about your origin story and and maybe if you could also just pepper into that story some uh, moments where issues around diversity equity or inclusion have have manifested themselves absolutely well I think yeah I think it's a helpful place to start for me because because I think I'm I'm pretty much every majority you can think of I'm male I'm white I'm heterosexual I'm married pretty much all of the all of the the orthodoxies or the patriarchies whatever you'd care to mention I hold them because of my background, um, I'm, the, I'm from a family of teachers um, and I tried in my youth to think of everything that I was going to do that didn't involve teaching and obviously went straight into teaching as soon as I left university. So absolutely no imagination there at all. So teaching and education has probably always been it. But I had a very stable, loving background. I was very fortunate in my opportunities when I was growing up. And I think that probably did play into the to the EDI story a little bit. I was lucky to be a representative sportsman growing up. So I, I, I went to a lot of trials and training camps and tournaments. Uh, I was a hockey player. Um, and, and I think that probably fed into how you deal with different groups of people and how you interact and how you establish hierarchies within those groups and how you play those hierarchies. I also was fortunate that I was in I, I was in some professional theatre work when I was young and, and got involved in some touring productions and some um, some productions that ran in London theatres. Again, when I was growing up, it's complete serendipity. Uh, but again, that gave me I saw a lot of different groups of people coming together, and that was much more diverse than my own background of the the, the theatre stuff. So that was quite interesting as well. And also, when I was younger, I travelled a lot when I was when I was single and and, and around sort of gap year in university and all that sort of thing. 
so I, so I think I, I did put myself in situations or I was put in situations where I was dealing with things which were unfamiliar and not that I knew it then. I think I was building up a way of responding to the world around me in a way that made sense to me and hopefully was tolerant of others. So I, I think I'd probably cite that as being significant in my EDI journey. But counterbalancing that, if you like, the fact that uh, I, I, I was never really an outsider or a minority in, in my experiences. Um, I've, I read classics at Oxford. I got good A-levels. I got good GCSEs. I, I was fortunate in all of that and in all of my opportunities. And as you've heard from the schools that I've taught in, I've been very fortunate in my professional career as well. So as I'm sure we will explore as, as we continue to talk, a lot of my journey has been has been learning about those different perspectives and, and how that impacts on how you experience the world and, and how you react to it. I think because I did have a, a breadth of experience when I was younger, I hope I, I've never been cavalier or deliberately unpleasant or unkind in those situations and dealing with things like protected characteristics. But I've become acutely aware that I just haven't understood that other perspective, that different perspective, nearly well enough. And, and that's the journey that, that I'm on and, and, and enjoy. So what about your parents? When you think about your upbringing, did they position the importance of equity or, you know, inclusion or, or any of those kinds of, I guess, broader themes or concepts when, when you were kids? No, it's a really interesting question. So my mum's Scottish uh, and my dad is half Welsh, half English. So we're very Celtic. I'm half Scottish, quarter Welsh, quarter English. And for holidays, we tended to go to Scotland or Wales. So in terms of heritage, we, we definitely had a, a little bit of variety, but not, not a huge amount. And my, my parents have both been teachers all their lives. Um, so so I, think, I, I think my answer would be that growing up, all of those assumptions about tolerance and kindness and a moral compass were implicit. We, we didn't really talk much about them, but, by, but my parents modelled them brilliantly and certainly we were under no illusions about what was it. My brother and I, I've got one brother who's 19 months older, who's also a teacher, unsurprisingly. You know, so there was no real need to, to, to lay them out explicitly because I just think we live with them. And, you know, great parenting by them. It, it just was it, it was just assumed that you would you would act in that way. Um, but again, I think part of my adult journey has has shown me how how some of these minoritized experiences racialized experiences come with a a priority to be explicit about some of those things that have been negatively experienced by others moving on to to the work that you do now can you talk to me about some of the moments, either as a consequence of earlier experiences or burgeoning realisations? Can you talk to me about some of the, the ways that diversity, equity, inclusion have kind of shown up in your work now as a head teacher? Yeah, well, we've um, yeah, we, we've always tried to be uh, to be a 
a good school we've always talked about love and compassion as being the the, the founding ethos of, of Norwich school it's uh, it's an it's a school in the Anglican tradition we're in the cathedral close in Norwich uh, so we use the we use Norwich Cathedral every day and that's a building that's been in place for over 900 years so we we go a long way back um, and we hope we've always been um, a, an inclusive school though that's not a word we've used about ourselves until recently um, we had a negative experience as a community when an, an open letter was published um, in the summer of 2020 by a group of alumni um, referring to, to negative experiences that people from ethnically diverse communities had been on the receiving end of um, over about a 10 year, I think it's a 13 year period. Um, and that was a really difficult period for the whole community. The school knew about 10 to 15 percent, I think, of the examples that were cited. So most of them we'd never heard of. But it was it was very painful to hear that pupils in our school had had negative experiences and either hadn't felt able to report them at all or having reported them, didn't feel that they'd been dealt with appropriately. And as a result of that, we have sought to face that problem head on and to face it positively um, and that's what brought us to work with you. We were very clear that we, while the, the letter was about racism mainly, uh, we felt we needed to deal with it on the terms of prejudice more broadly and to think also about other types of prejudice, particularly homophobia and sexism, which were also present in our school and were present in, in wider society. And we've 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 taken a number of steps in different directions to try and make ourselves more inclusive, more diverse, and to try and respond to those to the challenges that came up in the letter. And I think we're we're on a journey. We don't feel that we've got all the answers by any means. I'm not sure we ever will. I think it's 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 one of those areas where you will always be reflecting on your practice, reflecting on the world around you, and fine tuning what you're doing to make sure that it's a fit. And you could argue that that's true of of education in any sense, isn't it? As as history changes, as texts change. So that that's the journey that we're on. Um, we have we we carried out a review with our Governors, we've appointed an equity, diversity and inclusion officer and we've done some consultancy work with you. Um, we've changed our PSHE curriculum, which is now called a thing called PPD, Pupil Personal Development. Um, and we've put a lot of EDI work into that and given it more time and given it more specialisation in terms of its teaching. So there have been a number of steps. We've set up some pupil societies um, for pride, for um, it's called it's. BAME at the moment, but it might change, and then another one, Feminist Society. So we've taken a number of issues, and I hope that our school community would say we are trying and we're on a journey and we are enjoying getting better in this um, crucial area of, of society and education. You mentioned the teacher pipeline and the diverse family teacher pipeline. And podcast is as good a place as any to talk a little bit about that. So obviously we've had conversations about it, but for those people who might be listening or who might share this with other people who are interested in diversifying the pipeline of teachers, what's the genesis of the idea and where do you hope it's going to, to take us? So from our side of the fence, we have got a pupil body that's more diverse than the teaching body that teaches it. And so we are keen to do some work on that to try and um, diversify our teaching force. 
we can't make people come and teach in Norwich School. And so we need to make it as attractive a place as possible. Um, we're very keen to have more candidates from ethnically diverse communities um, who will apply to us and will want to teach at our school and partly is the work that we've been talking about to encourage that we are going to advertise for people to do pgcs on the job um, to do teacher training with us and we're encouraging other schools who have similar challenges and we know they're out there all over the country to embark on a similar process what angie has offered to do is to support those candidates with a network um, and training and mentoring so that not only are they getting training in in schools, but they also are part of a group of teacher trainees from ethnically diverse communities who are connected because they are doing that. And I think, Angie, with your expertise of um, diversity, equity and inclusion, you're in an ideal place to provide that and to allow them to exchange ideas about what's working and also what isn't working. And for you to support them in communicating with their schools regarding that process, because we know that it's difficult for the for the for the minority, for the person who is in that situation to, to raise the issue. So I think it hopefully will give some strength on that but also to create a community and to create a positive group who are going to go into the world of teaching and make a difference. And, and I think you know, we, we, we don't need to go into detail as to why those ethnically diverse role models will be so powerful in our schools and properly trained, positively motivated by being part of this scheme, hopefully will give us a, a, a cadre of teachers that will, will make a real difference in schools of all types all around the country. I'm not expecting that our teacher trainees will carry on working at Norwich School necessarily, though they might do, but they could just as easily go to a go to a, a school in Manchester or Birmingham or London or Bristol and lead on there. And I, I think that's really positive. Yeah, I'm really excited about this this uh, pilot project. So for those people who are listening who want to get involved, Stefan and I talked about it briefly at the Enlightened Education uh, Conference, HMC conference, a couple of months ago. And I would just invite people who are interested in, in finding out more about this pilot who are at the moment working in the independent sector to reach out to me and we can have a conversation about that. Thank you for listening to the Being Luminary podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. So please do leave us a review. Each month, I will be picking one of our reviewers to get a free laser coaching session as a thank you. And remember, if you know a luminary or an everyday thought leader who would benefit from listening to this podcast or who would love to be featured on the cast, then please do share it with them. This episode was presented by me, Angie Brown. Original music is by Martin Ostwick. The series is edited by Big Tent Media and produced by Emily Crosby Media. <laughs>